Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. And we're joined by a special friend of the show, my cousin Jack, who we've had on numerous times in the past, who's also, I feel like I'm going to put myself on this one. He's gone into the family business. Now he's doing this a little bit too. He's got his own show at TCU. Uh, It's on YouTube. Jack, why don't you tell us a little about your show? Yeah, so it is the Jack and Ian show is the name of it. I started doing it with a buddy here. We've got a couple other um, awesome guys on board also. And uh, we've been doing it. We just put out our seventh episode today. We record it Tuesday nights. Normally uh, it comes out on Wednesdays. It's now on Spotify also. So look it up on YouTube uh, if you want to also watch it, get the visual aspect of it. But you can also uh, find it on Spotify also. So, yeah, check that out if you get the chance. But I'm happy to be back on this. I think this is probably my at least third or fourth, maybe fifth time on this show. So happy to be back. Well, glad to have you back. Well, Jack, usually we get you to talk NBA. You know that pretty well, like, like your insight on college football. But now you're getting firsthand knowledge and a view. It's something that I got to have when I was at Auburn. Uh, it was my junior year. It wasn't my freshman year. I got to see the transition from uh, Tommy Tuberville to uh, to Gene Chiswick when I was a junior at Auburn. And now you're getting to see Gary Patterson, who had kind of like Tuberville, but even longer. And, you know, Tuberville had been there for 12 years, and that was a big deal. You're going to have a guy that's been there for 20 years now, second longest tenured coach in college football after Kirk Ferentz. They fired Gary Patterson at TCU. And, Jack, before we talk about any kind of people that may be looked at as a successor to, to Gary, why don't you tell me, what were your thoughts on the way that situation was handled? I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I feel like just talking with a bunch of my buddies, obviously we have a vested interest in the program here. We want TCU to be as good as possible and be competitive, which they were, you know, if you go back five or six years, the issue had been really the last four so the last four years have been really subpar years for Gary Patterson. He kind of got complacent. A lot of the assistant coaches he were hiring were kind of like his buddies. And a lot of people, especially around campus and the fan base, weren't too happy about that. It wasn't really as much that he was a bad head coach. It was that he was making bad decisions kind of executively about who he was hiring. And he really wasn't going to change his ways about that. So it was either get rid of Gary uh, and be able to kind of clean house completely, or if you keep them around, you're going to be stuck with these coordinators for a while. So it was kind of it. It was kind of time for him to go. The program had kind of gotten stale, like I said, over the last four years. You really had you didn't have better than eight win season in that time, and that had been pretty disappointing. So I feel like the perspective from TCU was we're grateful for Gary Patterson and everything he did for the program. TCU would be nothing without Gary Patterson having coached here. Um, And so you look at that with gratitude and you look back at the good times at TCU, but you kind of also have to realize like it's kind of, kind of time to move on. Uh, The program's kind of gotten stale. It's time for something fresh, something new in order to give it some new life. Yeah, Jack, you know, I I kind of, I agree with the decision to get rid of Gary Patterson. I mean, you look at what's happened the last four years and the timing of it, Right now, of course, you got Sonny Dykes is doing such a great job at SMU. You have the coach at UTSA who maybe now is out of the equation because he signed that new contract. There's a lot of talent inside of Texas. And I really think that maybe 
the decision could have also been made because now you're about to lose Oklahoma and Texas. You're going to have a new Big 12. It's time for you to take that next step and maybe be a big dog in what's going to be this new conference. Right. Uh, you're going to have a lot of opportunity within this new conference to make a quick first impression if you make a good hire here because it's kind of a clean slate for everybody because Texas and Oklahoma forever have been the top dogs in the Big 12. And now it's kind of a question of who is it? I mean, Cincinnati's obviously really good right now. Uh, Houston's a one-loss team. Could it be Baylor? They're good. Oklahoma State. It's really a blank slate. And for TCU, if they make a good hire here, it gives them a good chance to be able to make a good first impression in that kind of new Big 12. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you look at – Sonny Dykes is kind of the name that, like you mentioned, he's kind of come up at the top of the list. But there are plenty of others. I mean, there is wild speculation. I mean, it's it's pretty fun right now just looking at – I mean, I've, I've looked up names. There's maybe like 20 names that have been thrown around. It's ridiculous. Well, Jack, let me ask you this. Uh, do you think that they should have just waited till the end of the season to get rid of him and just maybe had a silent agreement where he retired at the end of the season? Or do you think that – with the landscape the way it is, and you had to make this move that they did do the right thing by go ahead and getting rid of him in the middle of the season. I think it's interesting. I think TCU at first tried to do what LSU did with Ed Orgeron, where they said, this is your last year, but we're going to let you finish it out. Mm. Um, and they apparently uh, were on the street as they offered that to him, and he turned it down, which is where it gets pretty interesting, that he said, no, I'm like done. Like, I don't want to coach anymore, like middle of the season. So, yeah, word on the street was was leading up to him being fired. It was that this is his last year. And then it just dropped like a bomb that he was, like, done starting then. Like, most people assumed that he was going to finish the year, and then we could probably see a change. But it, it turns out that apparently he doesn't want to end the rest of the year, which leads me to believe there's something else going on or some disagreement with him and the people in power here at TCU. So, that's just the way the cookie crumbled, I guess. What, if any, future, Jack, do you think Gary Patterson has in college football coaching? Oh, goodness. I mean, he is such a good coach. I think he just was a TCU for probably too long to where he probably lost a lot of – a lot of – he was kind of figured out by other coaches in the conference, I think. He was a TCU. He was running the same systems every year. He was getting similar type of recruits. So I think most people just kind of figured him out. And so if he goes to another conference, I think he'd be pretty successful because I still think he's a really good coach. He didn't have success for no reason. So I think that he'll have some team out there will hire him and he'll probably do a pretty good job there, but it'll, it'll just be interesting more for me to see where he goes, not how successful he is there. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, you think about it, I mean, how many coaches get to actually coach in a stadium that has a statue of them outside of it? I think you can probably count on one hand, uh, Joe Pa, you would have a uh, Bill Snyder. And I think outside of that, you don't really have any that, that even fit that bill. I mean, talk about the legacy that he has through taking TCU through what four different conferences, conference USA, the mountain West, uh, then he was uh, – did he go AAC, then Big 12? I mean, he had four different conferences that he was involved in. I know that. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he – he, I mean, talking about him building the program from the ground up, I mean, he started really uh, – TCU was nobody before Gary Patterson in the football world. I mean, they were, they were a laughing stock of the football community. They were terrible. Um, and then he came along, 
and had a great staff with them. They had that really good Rose Bowl team where they beat Wisconsin and went 13-0. and That was probably the peak of his career. Uh, you also had that year they got, I would now say, snubbed from the college football playoff. That year where they, I think, were ranked third, and then the next week dropped all the way back to fifth um, and ended up killing Ole Miss uh, in that Chick-fil-A Bowl. So, I mean, that was the, like the Javon Boykin year. You had Andy Dalton under him. You had some really good defenses. And so, I mean, he was he was just an awesome coach, leaving an awesome legacy. I think when most people look back, they'll probably remember um, like the Chick-fil-A Bowl, the Rose Bowl, uh, the Alamo Bowl where they came back against Oregon. I think those are the games that people will probably remember when talking about Gary Patterson's legacy. Well, Jack, uh, you had mentioned that there were like 20 names. Of course, the one that I kept hearing was Sonny Dykes because how often do you get to make a coaching improvement and maybe not even move out of your house? I mean, yeah, I feel like, so, you know, the, the, it's like 20 minutes. <laughs> There's no difference. But outside yeah. of Sonny Dykes, uh, who is someone that maybe you would like or tell me the people that you think are good fits for the TCU job? Goodness. There have been about a million names thrown around. So Sonny Dykes, as he mentions the first one, He'd be very fun just to steal from a rival of TCU. We play SMU every year. And so that would just be kind of just a little brother him a little bit, you know, just be like, we can kind of take your head coach from you. Like we're be- like we're a better program still, you know, even though we've lost the last two years, we're still a better program. So that'd be pretty fun to steal SMU's coach. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I feel like Sandy Dykes would kind of be a, a little bit kind of an inside hire. Like he knows the territory. He's like coached around here. He was assistant to the head coach under Gary Patterson just only a few years ago. So I feel like he would he would, he would be a pretty obvious hire. Other names I've heard thrown around, we'll start with some kind of the more, I guess, obvious ones, and then there are some fun ones. So Mike Elko, Texas A&M defensive coordinator, he's one that's been thrown out there. I think he'd be pretty good. I think Texas A&M has the fourth best defense in college football this year. I think I remember seeing that. So – I think he'd be a really good hire, kind of another defensive-minded coach, kind of like Gary Patterson was. He'd be interesting. Um, I've also heard, uh, and I mean, um, for obvious reasons, like Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina. I mean, he's just an obvious one. Him and him and Billy Napier both. I'll, I'll just throw them both in the conversation of they're kind of smaller schools that have been ranked recently, that have been extremely successful. Um, even against bigger teams, they've been successful. So those are two. Um, one that's been thrown out that I'm just adamantly against is Coach O. I would I, – I do not – I would be so upset. I, that, that was like when we first hired – when we first fired – I'd be love. Gary Patterson, the first name that like people are like, we need to go get Coach O. I'm like, that is a terrible idea. Like, that was, like, the student body was, like, Coach O's available. I'm, like, that is all. Like, my, I got a buddy here that grew up an LSU fan. He's, like, that's a terrible idea. He was, like, he would, he would be awful here. I mean, the reason he was so good at LSU was because he had an absolutely stud team that he inherited from Les Miles. And then also he had awesome coordinators. And I don't know if he can replicate that at all at TCU. So, I am very much so against Coach O, even though his names come up. Um, I think uh, Jay Norvell from Nevada – He's the head coach there. I saw his name pop up. Uh, they've been decent. They've been a two-loss team the last few years. Uh, so he's been pretty good. Um, Justin Fuente is interesting. He hadn't been fired yet from Virginia Tech, mm. but he was the he was the offensive coordinator at TCU the, the Rose Bowl year of the years we had Andy Dalton. Mm. 
And so he would kind of be coming back to TCU. It'd be pretty interesting. He obviously was good at Memphis and uh, started well at Virginia Tech, but it's kind of fallen off. So Justin Fuente is interesting just because he already has ties. Um, More fun ones, uh, Chris Peterson. uh, I've heard his name thrown out there. Oh, come on. come from. I've seen that thrown around. I think that's probably more of a long shot. You know, he retired only. I, I feel like if it were more time between him retiring. You might as well uh, throw Mike Tomlin's name out there if you're going to throw out Chris Peterson's name. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But um, Although there'll be more tracks for our show, please talk about us during a radio show, Mike Tomlin, because you're going to go be TCU's head coach. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> you know, other long shot ones, Hugh Freeze, probably not going to happen. Seems like he's happy at Liberty. Uh, you could probably throw a bunch of money his way. Um, I haven't heard his name come up in association to TCU much. I just think he'd be a pretty decent fit just in terms of the type of school TCU is. I just don't know if you could sell that really to boosters all that much, uh, as well as you could uh, sell some other guys. Um, this one's funny to me. I had a bunch of Mississippi State buddies. I'm, I'm, I got some friends that do a show down there. And I got a text from them like, what do you think about uh, Dan Mullen? And I'm like, <laughs> they're like they think he's gonna get fired i don't think he's, he's gonna get, get fired. fired he's not he was in the he was in the he won the east just last year he's not gonna get fired so he, he that'd be a long long shot if he got fired then maybe but probably not um other fun ones um oh goodness uh tom herman he'd be an interesting one you know was the coach at houston then at texas he's obviously recruited in the state of texas before was really good at houston uh, I feel like TCU and Houston are probably pretty pretty similar type of programs. I feel like TCU is probably even better. They got a little bit more money in the program, uh, got better facilities, probably a better location because you're kind of uh, more in the center of Texas, do a little bit more recruiting in Louisiana. So that'd be interesting with Tom Herman. Um, Kellen Moore, his name came up today. Wow. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys right now. And apparently rumor is he reached out to TCU. Really? And then TCU is like, we'll get like, we're, we're very interested. I don't, that's just a rumor right now. So that there's no real solid proof that that's really an option. I would love for that to be an option. Cause I think he'd be an unbelievably good, like fit at TCU. Uh, obviously the Cowboys having a really good offense this year. I think he'd be, uh, he'd be an awesome fit. Um, and then, Another one that's been thrown out, and this this one is a little bit more solid, is apparently TCU has reached out to Deion Sanders. Um, okay. That that news broke broke today. They were trying to get an interview with Deion Sanders to become the head coach at TCU, which that one seems a little bit like it's a boomer bust type of situation, where it either would be it would go so well or it would be absolutely awful. Um, he would probably have to get some really good coordinators around him, but he would probably be able to recruit so good that it might be worth it. So Deion Sanders, that, that one's a little bit more – those rumors started coming out today um, that TCU is really looking at Deion Sanders. So that's a pretty distinct possibility by this point. Well, I mean, I think you're seeing it, you know, maybe more so in college basketball than you are in college football with what you've seen with uh, – with Jawan Howard over at Michigan, but you get in these like awesome players that can recruit all the people around them. And if they can get the right assistance in there, some grizzled old assistants, maybe you got somebody like Coach O to be, you know, an assistant that can help out, especially you think right. about the recruiting you could have with Dion and Coach O together. That's pretty solid. I've talked about it with Joe that I think that Lane Kiffin on a call 
uh, Coach O to be on his staff again just to help out with Ole Miss's recruiting because I just think that yeah. that's what the guy's good at. Um, you know, I was I was thinking to myself, if you're going to get someone like Dion, why don't you bring LT back to TCU to be the running backs coach? And that could help out a yeah. lot of recruiting. Wow. That's another name that's come up for sure is bringing him back in like as a, at a coordinator position or assistant spot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, out of the names you mentioned, one that I really like, I really like Jamie Chadwell. I mean, uh, I thought that uh, South Carolina really missed the boat on not hiring him. I, I didn't understand that. I thought that was kind of a done deal when South Carolina was looking. And instead, they just went for someone who had a famous dad who was an offensive coordinator. I didn't think that Shane Beamer was qualified for that job personally. And I thought that Chadwell, I mean, you got a dude that's killing it uh, in Myrtle Beach. He's in your state. He recruits all the same people. His style of offense is fun, and it's kind of different. I think, you know, it's something that fits with a team that's not going to be able to get the same kind of athletes that Georgia and Florida and Tennessee can get. I kind of thought it would have made a lot of sense. I don't think Shane Beamer's a bad coach by any means, but I think they may end up losing him this year anyway because I think Virginia Tech might go hire him when they fire Justin Fuentes. But, you know, I think Chadwell, you know, maybe doesn't make as much sense at TCU, but I really do like Jamie Chadwell as a coach. Yeah, I think I think they're definitely – I mean, it's worth giving him a call for sure if you're TCU, just seeing if there's any interest there from him, which I'm sure there would be. I mean, TCU was paying Gary Patterson a boatload of money, which is part of the reason he probably got fired. Um, and so, I mean, you got a lot of money now in that football budget to be able to throw at a new coach. So it's possible that you're able to possibly outbid for Jamie Chadwell um, and possibly get him there because obviously, I mean, he he's the third coach in the history of that coastal program, like ever. And now they're like they were they've been ranked all season, which is just unbelievable. So I mean, he he would be a stellar hire. I would be extremely excited if we got him. Like you said, he he would just be a fun coach. I think he'd bring a lot of life back to the program. What can you tell us about the interim coach at TCU and his future after this year? Yeah, um, nobody on this staff is going to make it through this year. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, it it's just expectations were pretty high coming into this year. And I think rightfully so. I think the team talent wise is pretty good. Um, and then just the coaching staff uh, really across the board, most people have had issue with. Um, and so, you know, right now, just, I mean, you're talking about an interim coach and just all the assistants in general, odds are they're going to be looking for jobs uh, this spring um, or really this winter, I guess, but you know, the, their their future is it's it's not good at TCU. Well, I mean, it's Jerry Kill, and he was the one that was the coach at at uh, Minnesota, and he had what the heart condition or whatever, and that was too stressful for him there. And I mean, shoot, if Minnesota is too stressful for you, then I definitely think TCU is going to be a much higher level of stress than what you would get at Minnesota. Which I feel like, as long as you win six or seven games every year, you're probably okay. I'm not saying TCU is expecting national championships once every 10 years or something like that. But they do want you to be, you know, in the upper level of your conference. And I feel like they yeah. expect you to be contending for BCS games. And so I just don't see how I can trust someone that can't handle the stress of Minnesota to be a TCU coach. Yeah, I feel like particularly in the Big 12, we're going to be looking for nine to ten wins realistically. I mean, you're you're up there probably with if – I mean – you're, you want to be, I guess, the new conference going to have 12 teams. You're going to be a top four team in the conference each and year in and year out. And I think that's pretty fair expectations for TCU, considering the facilities they have, how much they'll probably be paying their next coach. Um, 
just all the, the boosters they have, the donors, like it makes sense for them to be a top four team when you look at the rest of the conference. Well, Joe, uh, well, Jack, speaking of top four teams, what did you think of the college football playoff release last night? Let's start with Cincinnati. Uh, you talked about them. They're about to be your Big 12 brethren soon. What did you think about the way the committee slapped them in the face last night with the number six ranking? I wasn't a major fan of that. You know, I, if they didn't have that win over Notre Dame, I would understand for sure. Um, Cincinnati's just been dominant, not even this year, but for really the last two or three. They've been really, really they're, – they're a really good football team. And Notre Dame's now number 10. I mean, that's a top 10 win they have, you know. And they're, they're in the AAC, which got some other good teams. Houston, SMU, both one-loss teams. Um, and so, if they can win the AAC, I think they'll probably still make the playoffs because I would expect some of those teams in front of them to probably slip. So, if they can stay perfect, I could see, you know, uh, Cincinnati probably sneaking in at a four spot or something like that. But – for the time being, I just don't understand it. They're undefeated, um, and they got that top ten win. So I think they probably – I don't think they should stay two, but I certainly think they should be around four. That's kind of what I thought, too. I kind of thought that the committee last night was basically saying to all power – like all uh, group of five teams, you're never going to get in. That, that's, what I, that's what I gathered from that ranking last night because – if you're not going to rank Cincinnati four or higher now, when are you going to? They got their big win over Notre Dame three weeks ago. Uh, Notre Dame's still top ten, had lost in the other games. Uh, they have nothing left on their schedule, especially now that SMU lost to Houston that's going to be any kind of win that's going to do anything. And so, I mean, they keep moving the needle further and further away for them. And I think last night they went ahead and slammed the door on any, power, any group of five team ever getting into a four-team playoff. Yeah, Cincinnati would have to run the table in a dominant way, and then they would have to get lucky with some other teams losing that they need to lose. Like Alabama would probably have to be a two-loss team. You would need Alabama to lose to Auburn or someone like that before the SEC championship. Uh, you would need prob- – I mean, Georgia's not going to lose, so that's fine, but then you would probably need Michigan State to be a one-loss team or maybe even a two-loss team. You just – you would need teams in front of you to slip up majorly. Ohio State, maybe they lose. Uh, maybe Michigan – best-case scenario, actually, probably, would be if Georgia goes undefeated, Michigan State goes undefeated, Ohio State's two-loss team, Alabama's two-loss team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think like Oregon, too. I think they need Oregon to drop a game somewhere. Yeah. yeah, if Oregon drops a game, too, that would help. Which, one thing I will say that I did like that the committee did, I was kind of expecting them to do something like this to Cincinnati – um, I did like to put Oregon ahead of Ohio State because I've been kind of upset lately the last couple of years at how it seems like head-to-head means nothing to them. And so that's a good thing that they actually put Oregon ahead of Ohio State because they went to the horseshoe and they beat them straight up. And they beat them without Kayvon Thibodeau and with, um, you know, the running back hurt in the second half of that game too. So I thought that was, you know, you got to reward Oregon for it. They haven't looked great since then. But the bottom line is they have the most impressive win of the year this year. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, it's undeniable that loss to Stanford is ugly on their schedule. I mean, that just looks bad. But like, like you said, that Ohio State win looks better and better every single week. So um, that, that's the reason why they are where they are. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon lost another just thoughtless game that nobody thought they, that, that like they should win by all means, but then they just lose it, like kind of like they did with Stanford, because that just feels like what they do most years. So. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a chance they're able to hold on and they're going to be a playoff team, but it just feels like that wouldn't be Oregon if they did that. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack, before you leave, let me get uh, put my, my fanciful Auburn hat on. If Auburn were to run the table, win every single game the rest of the year and beat Georgia, you think they get in with two losses? Oh, I think they would have to if they beat Georgia. I think I think if they were on the table, because if you're beating Bama, if Bama's still a one-loss team and they beat them, that means you're beating teams like Texas A&M. Uh, I mean, South Carolina, I mean, nobody really cares about. Who's the game uh, two weeks from now? Mississippi State is, is an improved Mississippi game. State. Yeah, so you would beat Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Alabama. So those are three ranked teams. Uh, that means you're probably, probably like seventh in the country. You're probably the highest ranked two-loss team in the country. Yeah. And then if you beat Georgia, who would be number one at the time, presumably, that means you probably get a pretty serious bump, and you're the SEC champion. So I could see a two-loss Auburn getting in at that four spot if they're able to really run the table, meaning they would have to beat Alabama and Georgia. Mm -hmm. That's what I think, too. Well, hopefully we get to see it. Well, all right, Jack. Well, really enjoyed having you on. I hope that you get prime time or you get Kellen Moore, but we'll see. And We'll get you on soon, and uh, Joe and I would also love to be on your show at some point whenever you feel ready to get some people on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll try and get you all on at some point. All right, well, sounds good. Well, we just got joined by Jack, our, our friend, who does his own show over at CCU right now. Uh, listen to all of our episodes on Spotify. Look at the Dan and Joe Sports Show on Spotify. You can also go to our new YouTube channel and subscribe and watch our episodes there. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.